it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great one in uh, store today. Our three-hour tour includes in the third half, uh, coming up at 11 o'clock, uh, a look at um, misogyny toward black women with author Moya Bailey. Her book, Misogynoir Transformed about uh, black women's uh, digital resistance. We'll also be uh, acknowledging the one-year anniversary of the the horrible uh, George Floyd killing, which was uh, a year ago today. In the second hour, we're going to talk about uh, the new Cold War in space, as uh, laid out by uh, former Bill Clinton speechwriter Jeff uh, Shesall, Uh, He's written a book called Mercury Rising, John Glenn, John Kennedy, and the New Battleground of the Cold War. And uh, that's coming up uh, in the next hour. But this hour, we're going to talk about uh, free community college uh, um, as recently announced by uh, Joe Biden. But we're going to talk about more more than that with uh, a former member of the uh, Biden-Harris Education Policy Committee in the run-up to the election. Uh, my guest this hour has a book called The Path to Free College. 
and uh, there's more to the title than that, but I, I uh, got my pages turned around here. Uh, here it is, The Path to Free College in Pursuit of Access, Equity, and Prosperity by Michelle Miller-Adams, and Michelle joins me now by phone. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Um, let's let's talk about um, what does it mean when we say free college? The president recently talked about tuition-free community college. I suspect that's that's different than what the goal is. Right. Uh, free college is sort of a shorthand term for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, whoever's paying for college, it's not free. The question is who is going to be paying for it, right? <laughs> yeah, and fair then, point. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is that there are more... Uh, there's a lot more to attending college than just paying for tuition. There are many other costs involved, and that is not really what we're talking about when we say free college. We're talking about a, a variety of programs at the state and local level that create a tuition-free path to college for some portion of their residents. And then, as you mentioned in your intro uh, just a few weeks back, the president proposed a tuition-free uh, nationwide community that is uh, hopefully going to be enacted. And uh, when we talk about tuition-free, are we talking about in public colleges only or private colleges yes. as well? So this free college movement is very diverse, and there are all different kinds of programs almost that, that emanate from, from local communities, including Flint and Kalamazoo and all kinds of other places in Michigan and around the nation, and also from states. Uh, they, they look different, but very, very few of them will um, provide any coverage for private colleges. There are a few kind of tricky exceptions. We're mainly talking about public colleges, and most of the statewide programs, as well as the Biden proposal, focus on the two-year or community college sector. Would there, I, I think some people would be concerned, and, and it seems reasonable to be concerned that private colleges, although very expensive, would be sought after, and the public colleges that were tuition-free um, might, become subpar because of uh, lack of, of tuition as a revenue stream? Uh, well, so the idea is that the, the colleges would still have tuition as a revenue stream, but it would be coming from public uh, support. It would be coming from taxes or it would be coming from other forms of public support. So no one's talking about cutting back on the resources that these public higher ed institutions would have. In fact, a, a really important component of the Biden plan and, and something important to think about for these state free college programs is that if uh, community colleges are going to be welcoming in a new group of students that weren't previously going to be there, those students are going to need support. And it's not rocket science to provide that support, but it's also not free. So community colleges need new resources to help support 
the students that will be entering thanks to a free college program. And the Biden plan does propose um, substantial funding funding for that. Usually looks like a kind of a coaching or a, a sort of mentorship model. Looks different in different places. But the, the, it's really important to have that student support component funded so institutions do have the resources to make sure students are successful once they get to college. And I, I worked with a guy, Michelle, who used to always, after listening to a, a long presentation about something, he would just look at the presenter and say, is it doable? And That's it, a great question. I love that question. It, and I, I it, think, it is, I think a lot of... It is an important question because for a lot of people who think that that public money and public support is just not there and and they would use as evidence I suppose uh, the the struggle funding K through 12. Yes. Um, so I think I, I take a lot of grief sometimes because I do argue that this more, uh, modest approach to tuition-free college that focuses on the two-year sector is doable. Uh, for, for one thing, it's not that expensive. So this is the least expensive sector uh, of higher ed to make tuition-free. It also generates really quick uh, economic returns for states and for society because it creates more people with credentials and degrees who are more productive and who employers want to hire. Uh, I, I would say that, um, yes, uh, there are all kinds of struggles around public funding for K-12, through but as a society, we've decided that uh, K-12 through education should be publicly funded, should be free. And um, I, I do really like the way the president introduced this proposal. Uh, he made the point that a lot, a lot of other people have made as well, that we have an educational system that was developed in the early 20th century when students needed more than an eighth grade education. They made, maybe needed a high school education. Well, it's 100 years later, and um, it's, it's very arguable that to be successful in today's economy, you need more than a high school education. You need some kind of post-secondary education or training, some kind of credential or certificate or associate or bachelor's degree. So the world has changed and our education system hasn't. And the idea of adding a couple of years of post-secondary education that would be publicly funded on to the end of high school, and in fact, the Biden administration also proposed a couple of years at the front end, free universal high-quality pre-K, would make sense in today's world. You know, it's, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, and you'll probably remember who this was. Um, I think it was uh, during the presidential campaign of 2008, and I believe it was a Republican candidate who made some headlines for uh, saying not everybody has to go to college. There are trade schools and, you know, other things that people can do to, um, prepare themselves for absolutely and and that argument comes up all the time and I, I feel like it's really important to say and say again when we say college it's a shorthand again for a whole range of post-secondary ed and training options including 
the kind of career and technical education and vocational, occupational certifications. The reason why choosing a community college is a, a good way forward is that community colleges serve a lot of different purposes and a lot of different kinds of learners. So you can go to a community college and do a very short-term, um, essentially, vocational training program. Or you can go and prepare to go on to a four-year institution. Or you can get an associate degree in a field that's in demand. So there are a lot of different options. Uh, it, it's absolutely true that not everybody needs or should get a bachelor's degree. I teach at a, a university, at Grand Valley State University, and we have students who are there uh, because everyone told them, oh, you must go to college, and they would be better served in a, a shorter-term shorter -term program. So when we talk about free college, especially when we're talking about the community college sector, we're talking about making all those kinds of degrees tuition-free. And, and the challenge, of course, is helping students figure out what the right fit is for them, what their interests and their aptitudes are, and what will be a good career path for them. And we, we don't do enough of that. The, um, now, the book is, is called The Path to Free College, and it, it is um, from Michelle Miller-Adams, my guest. Um, Michelle, this is kind of a, a history of the, the tuition-free movement, isn't it? Yes, in, yeah, largely. Or in part, I'd say in part. <laughs> but it, but at least it attempts to put the conversations that we're having now in some sort of historical context. Absolutely. That was part of the goal. And why is it important to know what people used to talk about when we talk about it now? Because things are changing dramatically on the employment front uh, as, as we look forward because of uh, technology. Right. Uh, so I think sometimes free college is presented as a sort of a radical pie-in-the-sky kind of idea. And so one of the things that I was able to do in this book, and I, I learned this through my research for the book, is that um, affordable, accessible public higher education was the norm at one point in U.S. history. And I, I look at uh, both the, the spread of the high school movement, which I referenced a few, a few minutes ago, the idea that, that society eventually came around to believing that, yes, uh, we, should, we should pay taxes so people can get a high school education. Uh, but, but higher ed, in, I, I tell the story of 100 years of free public higher education in California, the story of uh, City College in New York, uh, public higher education systems, public universities and colleges were either tuition-free or very low cost for much of the 20th century. So when we talk about free college today, it's not a radical idea. It's actually a return to a system that served us very well in terms of broadly distributed growth and a lot of economic energy in our country around the middle of the 20th century. The mechanism's a little different. These Michelle, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to take a break here. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Sure, glad to. Okay, my guest is uh, Michelle Miller-Adams. 
and uh, she is an educator and the author of a uh, book called The Path to Free College. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and uh, we'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. 
throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond, where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the author of a book called The Path to Free College in Pursuit of Access, Equity, and Prosperity. And uh, she was a uh, member of the Biden-Harris Education Policy Committee in the run-up to the election. Her name is uh, Michelle Miller-Adams, and she uh, joins me by phone. Michelle, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No worries. It's interesting. Um, Michelle, I, I... we mentioned in the last segment um, that uh, President Biden recently announced a, a goal of of uh, trying to establish tuition-free community college um, for all, I, I would imagine. How consistent was that with the work that you were doing with the Biden-Harris uh, campaign? Well, I was part of a very large uh, policy advisory committee uh, that that the Biden administration convened um, in the run-up to the election, and we broke out into subcommittees, and these were people who are experts in in various fields. Uh, The the Biden campaign had actually committed to two different tuition-free college plans. Imagine that. Yeah, (laughs) well, they they hoped, hoped... I, I think they hoped for a larger congressional majority, and they would have been able to do more with a larger congressional majority uh, for for the Democrats. Uh, but as you know, they have the the narrowest of, of Democratic margins in in the Senate, and and a, a narrow one in the House as well. So, uh, bold action is somewhat constrained. Uh, the administration committed to the campaign committed to a plan that looks a lot like the plan that was announced. And they also were supportive of a broader free college plan along the lines of what Senator, Senator Bernie Sanders has been proposing for the past five, six years of making um, public four-year universities tuition-free. And that is, um, I think, as your friend says, not doable in the current <laughs> political context. So the more limited, uh, it's not really limited, it, it's just a different plan. And yes, the idea is to make it universally available to to everyone who does not have a college degree and to make those two-year institutions tuition-free. It is um, proposed and designed as a federal-state partnership with the federal government paying most of the money, but the states needing to contribute and buy in in the same way that states had to buy in, say, to Medicaid expansion. So there is obviously no guarantee that even if the plan is is passed that every state would buy in. But I think there would be pressure to do that because uh, tuition-free community college is a very popular idea across the political spectrum, and it's been done in places of, you know, really different uh, political complexions, so... It, it has some bipartisan appeal. It's tempting for me to think of the the two plans discussed by the the Biden team leading up to the election as Plan A and Plan B. 
Did did we get Plan B? <laughs> We got the plan. I, I don't think so. I mean, personally, I think this is the plan that can gain uh, political, bipartisan political support, and that's just essential in, in this day and age. I, I don't think that that means anyone should give up on that bigger free college plan in the same sense that maybe we shouldn't give up on Medicare for all, uh, but I, I do believe that most policy change in the U.S. does happen incrementally. And so this is a really valuable step toward making higher education accessible and and affordable. Uh, All you need to do is look at Tennessee, where there's a very well-known statewide free community college plan that was passed in a very Republican-led state. And look right here at home in Michigan, where our Republican legislature uh, approved funding for the Democratic governor's uh, tuition-free college plan for adults without degrees, which is called Michigan Reconnect. And so I think there's a fair amount of evidence that this plan that's very oriented both toward workforce development and also toward serving first-generation and low-income college-goers that has that strong equity component can draw a lot of support across the political spectrum. You know, during the last election, um Democratic candidate Andrew Yang, who dropped out and ended up backing uh, Joe Biden, um, but he had written in in his book um, prior to running for president, or just as he began to run for president, um, this idea of um, universal basic income, because he and others are arguing that technology is shrinking available jobs and will continue to do so going forward. How do we not run the risk of investing a lot of money in education to have a lot of really educated, unemployed people? Well, so most economists don't agree with, uh, with Andrew Yang's argument that technology is uh, making jobs go away. In fact, the, the history of of the U.S. is one in which technology has actually led to the creation of new jobs and better jobs and higher skilled jobs. And there's a lot of evidence of that. If you look at uh, the recovery from the 2008 recession, almost all of the jobs that were created in that post-2008 period were for people with some kind of post-secondary education or training, whether it's a certificate or a credential or a degree. What is going away are, are low-skill jobs that um, you don't need any post-secondary education to do. So um, that is a concern, but the answer to that is not give everybody a basic income and just uh, let them not work, and also the basic income being proposed is not enough to, pe- to, to really support people, so, that, so that's a problem as well. Um, the solution is to enrich the human capital um, the skills and abilities and, and, and capabilities of our workforce while giving them the opportunity to get higher-paying jobs. Uh, in, in states that um, have high percentages of educated workers, those are the more economically successful and economically dynamic states because those workers are productive and innovative and businesses want to hire them, so that's where they invest. So I, I really disagree with that assumption that, and, and I'm far, far from the only one or the, or the most educated one to disagree with it, that 
technology is, is, is eating our jobs. There, there's a, a group of people that have been displaced because of technology. Are, are they the, the big benefactors in a, in a program that supports tuition-free post-secondary education, the people that are re-educating themselves or reconnecting, as uh, Governor Granholm in Michigan puts it? I do think that it's very important that these free tuition-free community college programs be available not just to recent high school graduates, but to adults who either need to retrain or never went to college because that wasn't part of their knowledge base or their or their um, their their culture. They didn't have people in their lives who had gone to college. And college is college is complicated and and strange if you have no experience of it. And navigating your way to college. Somebody will come along and say, oh, you should fill out a FAFSA. And you might say, well, what's a FAFSA? Well, a FAFSA is this application you fill out to get federal financial aid grants if you are below a certain income level. But many people who are eligible don't get those grants because it's a, it's, it's a complex process and it's not transparent. One of the wonderful things about these free college programs, especially those that are, are cast toward adults, is that they, if, if designed well, they are very easy to access. I have a friend who uh, is, is 29, and she never finished her college degree, and I was talking to her uh, about this Michigan Reconnect program, and she got on her phone and she applied for it in five minutes. And that is not something she would have done if somebody said, oh, hey, go fill out your FAFSA, or you know, <laughs> hey, go fill out a college application. So the, the word free is a very powerful way to bring people into the process of accessing resources they may already be entitled to. So it's just important that these programs be available for really anyone who doesn't have a college degree. How does the U.S. compare to other countries with regard to funding education? And are we, are we publicly funding K-12 through in a K-14 through world? Uh, I, I think that is, that's a really great phrase, but I'm not, we are publicly funding K through 12 in a, probably a pre-K through 14 world. But fair, the comparison fair with other rich countries is complicated. The, the, the traditional argument is that um, higher ed is much cheaper in other rich countries, in, including Canada and, and, and Germany and the UK and, and many other European countries but fewer people get to go. The U.S. has always had this very small-D democratic system of higher ed. You, you didn't have to be a member of the elite to access it. You didn't need to be brilliant to access it. You could go to one of any range of higher ed institutions. The problem is that is changing, and the free university is, is being curtailed in many of our other uh, peer countries because more students want to go, and so they're facing capacity and, and, and co the, the challenge of affording it. Well, at the same time, in the U.S., our higher ed system has become much less affordable across the board. So we don't compare well, but they have challenges too. They're just the challenges are, look a little different. <laughs> Their programs are working too well. 
Well, yeah, it's very attractive. I know some people who've moved to Europe to go to college for free. So I, yeah. I, I remember a time when people moved to California to go to college for free. Right, that's right. California had a, a, a free higher ed in, uh, system for 100 years. And in the book, I write about my own family, which, which moved there not for free college, but became tremendous beneficiaries of free college. My, both sides of my family, my, my parents grew up very poor, and they all went to UCLA, and they all got degrees, and they all moved into the middle class. And that free college was, was critical to you know, my being born into the middle class. It was critical to our social mobility. And, and the uh, one of the interesting things about their program is that the residency requirements were not very strict. I, I, I think I remember it was like you had to be a resident of California for six months or something. Right, and and I don't know if that's changed over the years, but but yes, it was. And people moved to California for all kinds of reasons. It's just in, in the recent recent past that people have started to move out of California, as our our recent census numbers show. But many people moved to California, and you could establish residency quickly and get that in-state tuition. Now we talked about Tennessee and California and and Michigan a little bit, but how are states? overall around the country um, dealing with this issue or not dealing with this issue, as the case may be? There are a a, a fair number of states. It kind of depends how you define tuition-free college, but uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 states that have made um, a portion of their higher ed system tuition-free but the, the programs look very different in different places, and they are more limited than, than Tennessee's program. I mean, the Michigan program is quite limited because it's only for adults who are 25 and over, and there are some other limitations. Um, Tennessee has two programs, one for recent high school grads and one for adults. It's pretty comprehensive. Other states have limited um, their scholarships to students with a certain high school GPA. Others have limited it to certain fields of study, like you can get it if you're going to STEM fields. Uh, Others have put a residency requirement on where after you finish college, do you have to stay in state for a while? So they look very different from place to place. Uh, And and none of them is particularly generous. Most of these programs require students to use their Pell Grants, their federal financial grants first, and then they add their resources on top of that. It's a very cost-effective way to design a free college system, but it's, it's problematic because then students who are in a low-income category don't have those Pell Grants to help them afford their living expenses. So we don't have to go into all the nuances of that, but there's a lot of variability across states. And I would consider Tennessee kind of a best practice, and some states have emulated them, and that's good. Is there, are there still um, a lot of retraining dollars out there uh, from um, either government or non-government organization There are. States, states do have retraining resources, which tend to come in through their workforce development agencies, through various federal and state grants. Um, the, part of the challenge is, is that often those are, are, are hard to access. You have to meet a lot of requirements and go through a lot of hoops to get connected with those retraining dollars. 
And another challenge is that the workforce system and the higher ed system are not not closely integrated. So um, it, it turns out one of the things we've learned from Tennessee is that if you're able to make this very simple, clear uh, message available that you can go get trained or retrained at a community college or they have these colleges of applied technology, which are very workforce oriented, you will get a lot more folks connected than if you say, hey, you should go into the Tennessee Workforce Agency and see if you qualify for any grants. So it's a, it's a complicated system and it's patchy. These are all patchwork systems that look different depending on where you live. So the, the Biden administration plan is the idea of kind of creating a floor, a national standard under this access to higher ed that would be available everywhere. Michelle, does the path to free college lead to Washington or does it veer off and, and head to state capitals? So it's really interesting. It's been really interesting to watch this field evolve over the past 15 years, which I've done, beginning with the introduction of the Kalamazoo Promise in, in Kalamazoo in 2005. There are about 200 communities around the nation, uh, either, either places, communities, cities, counties, or school districts, or community colleges that have made themselves tuition-free, that have created a tuition-free path. Then you've got this handful of 15 to 20 states that have done that, but it's led to this patchwork system that I, I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, at the same time, you've had this concern in the national arena around the cost of college, around equity, around economic competitiveness. And tuition and, debt. Yeah, and student debt, exactly. So student loan debt is, is the flip side of the high price of college. You can, you can wipe out student loan debt, but if you don't, address the price of college, you're going to wind up with more student loan debt. So the, the two really need to be thought of together. And um, I do think the logical next step to kind of create this level playing field across the states is a national program. So uh, I think the um, decentralized state and local patchwork quilt of free college really gets you only so far. What, what opportunities you have depend uh, for higher ed depend a lot now on where you happen to live. And that's not a very equitable system. Is is the Biden plan, uh, and I, I have to admit, I don't know very much about the plan other than what he announced in uh, um, what was being called his first State of the Union. Um, is that plan priced to move, do you think? Well, I think it is. Uh, there's, there's a fabulous infographic I saw a few weeks ago in the New York Times. It's a giant pie chart that's got all the spending that the Biden administration has proposed in this American Jobs Plan and American Families Plan. And there's a little tiny circle down in the lower right corner that's $109 billion for um, tuition-free community college. And there are some other things in there that are really important. There's two years of tuition at minority-serving institutions like historically black colleges and universities. There's uh, a meaningful increase in the size of the Pell Grant. There's the support for community colleges. But even taken all together, it is a really small part of um, the, the reinvestment that our nation needs to really um, give, a, give a push to economic recovery and upward mobility. And I think it's, I think it's important to say, to, to say that it's not it's not just flushing money down the drain. When you make 
higher ed available, that is an investment. It's an investment in people's earning potential. It's investment in how many tax, how much taxes they're going to pay. It's an investment in economic competitiveness of, of states and regions in the nation. So it has a return. The return isn't immediate. Like you put your money in the stock market, you get more of it back the next day. It unfolds over years. But it's an investment, and that's really how we should be talking about it. Michelle, I have in my notes that you've written uh, two books previously on this subject, and, and of course the new book, uh, again, is The Path to Free College in Pursuit of Access, Equity, and Prosperity by Michelle Miller Adams. Um, Michelle, we just have a, a couple of minutes left, and I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I don't have a, a personal website. I work at a, a research institute called the Upjohn Institute, which is just upjohn.org. And so if you look for Miller-Adams Upjohn, you'll find um, my research, my colleagues' research, uh, my email address, my bio, a link to my book, all those things. Um, I'm also on Twitter where I, I, have, I use a hashtag called Free College Questions, and I'm, my uh, Twitter handle is at MMillerAdams. So you can find me either of those ways. You can also find me at Grand Valley State University. How long do you think it'll be before uh, before we see at least um, tuition-free post-secondary education? Gosh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that question. No, I'm kidding. Um, it, it depends. There, there's already legislation that accomplishes what the president proposed working its way through the House and the Senate. Uh, whether that legislation is going to get passed this year or next year, I don't know. I mean, it's a very popular idea. It has a lot of support. I think um, a lot depends on what the business community decides to do in terms of how strongly they push for it and uh, what a handful of Republican legislators decide to do. So I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to say. I do think I do think that we will see some, some tuition-free uh, community college continue to grow around the, the, the nation through whatever means, either top-down or the kind of um, diffusion across states that we're seeing right now. You compared a, a national initiative um, for tuition-free college as, as having a similar impact, as uh, at least as it gets picked up by states as... Um, the Medicaid expansion did in the in the wake of the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Um, are, are there, if it passes at the national level and there's funding available, are there states that would resist this? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think they might uh, on on principle, which is kind of what the resistance to Medicaid expansion was. But I think it will be hard to say no, because there'll be a lot of federal money on the table. And as I said, this is a very popular policy. A lot of residents of many red states want to go on to some kind of education after high school, and they struggle to afford it. So I do think that these, these advocacy movements that organize uh, students and others to support uh, free college are, are going to be really important. Uh, once once this plan is out there. 
Well, we're going to have to we're going to have to leave it there for now. My guest is Michelle Miller Adams, author of uh, The Path to Free College in Pursuit of Access, Equity, and Prosperity. And Michelle, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. I really appreciate it, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been a pleasure. I really have enjoyed being on your show. So, have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Once again, Michelle Miller Adams, and uh, she's from right here in Michigan, and uh, is uh, a uh, former member of the uh, Biden-Harris Education Policy Committee running up to the last election. We're going to take a short break, but there's lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe Biden from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. 
Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Thank you. For my first encore, I'd like to turn to a type of song. <laughs> The type of song that people like myself find ourselves subjected to with increasing frequency as time goes on, and that is the college alma mater. You find yourself at a reunion of old grads and old undergrads, and uh, somebody will start croaking out one of these things, and everyone will gradually join in, each in his own key, of course, until the place is just soggy with nostalgia. Well. A typical such song might be called Bright College Days and might go like this. Bright college days, oh carefree days that fly To thee we sing with our glasses raised on high Let's drink a toast as each of us recalls Ivy-covered professors in Ivy-covered halls. <laughs> Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamusi get a tour. <laughs> Here's two parties we tossed, to the games that we lost, we shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommate's beat-up Chevrolet. <laughs> to the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. <laughs> Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams, and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ready? <laughs> but as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, 
Hearts full of truth Six parts gin to one part vermouth This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program Should the teacher stand so near, my love? Graduation's almost here, my love. Teach me Very high above you 
for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com You pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here! It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here!